Welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. I'm Seth Melton. That was really <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> and I'm Joshua Newcomb. I'm trying to bring the energy up because of what we're, we're where we're going. Yeah, let's start really high. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. So that the drop off is more aggressive. Yeah, let's yeah. start like a hundred and go down to like less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. So uh, we're this is our 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 friends and their movies. Hashtag friends and their movies. Um, Put it on Twitter, guys. Throw that up on... Throw us a tweet. Throw us a tweet, and thanks for listening. Please smash that like button. (laughs) No, uh, I think that... um, I'm switching gears, because I was... I I had planned my entire day to brace myself for Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, and I didn't go see Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. (laughs) And so now... which I don't know if that's better or worse for the energy we're about to go into. Um, But today we're here with Josh, who... If you've listened to Avengers Endgame, you will have a frame of reference for it. And it's actually probably a good episode to listen to before this. If you haven't seen the movie uh, that's on this episode, if for some reason you clicked on this, this is where like sometimes I'm like, these are... I can see how this one would never... Uh, this isn't going to spark any interest. I don't think it would ever be stumbled upon. Well, to be honest with you, not to be braggadocious or anything... But we're, me and my brothers are pretty movie savvy, right? Yeah. So when you said, the movie I would like to do is... Less Than Zero. Less Than Zero, starring Robert Downey Jr., Andrew McCarthy, mm-hmm. and... Uh, what's her name? I forget her name. The girl who plays Blair. The girl from Twister. The woman yeah. from Twister. Uh, when you said that that's what you wanted to do, I was a little bit... Uh, I, I'd never heard of it. I've never heard of this movie yeah. until now. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because this is the first film that I've had to watch in preparation because I've never seen it. And let me tell you something, this movie's hard to find. Yeah. They have, like, three different versions on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, how did you watch it? I did, I did what you guys did and signed up for Stars. Oh, okay. And then, well, I originally, how I watched it was mm-hmm. Netflix. It was on Netflix about oh, two years okay. ago. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Just missed that boat by yeah, just two years. <clears throat> yeah. So... Uh, we're kind so of I'm putting the carriage before the horse here because the first thing we like to do, and this will be uh, exciting because we we haven't done this in, the, in an episode yet with you, is kind of talk about your relationship with fiction, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be interesting because what's interesting is I feel like you're one of the people I know who's benefited most from fiction. Like you use it commonly, like even it's a lot of times it's even movies or poems that I haven't read or something. It was 1984 yeah. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that's always been something that's been interesting to me um, because were you allowed to watch a lot of movies growing up? No, I know that you were very. I mean, you grew up in a strict household yeah. as well. I think I watched Milo and Otis, and I Robot were the two movies before I was eighteen years old. There yeah. you go. And then one of my oh, favorite things about Josh too, literally when we first started like getting to know each other, I'd be like, I like No Country for Old Men, and you'd be like, Oh yeah, have you ever seen that Robot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was you like, ever oh, see that? You ever seen that movie? And I was like, I have Will seen Smith, I Robot. I Robot. Yeah, because he was like your hero. You're like, Will Smith. I don't care. That movie's still good to this day. Well, and you can skip this episode now because I said that. But it, is, <laughs> it is still you know good. Who, do you know who that robot is, by the way? Um, He's an iRobot thing. That's like uh, Robot. Yeah, his name's, uh, yeah, his name's Robot Eye. <laughs> uh, no, he's, uh, it's Alan Tudyk. It's Wash. Oh, from, wow. Yeah, no, from, I did know did that. Did you know that? So, yeah, I did. Because yeah. I, st- I stumbled Vision? upon, uh, I, I read a BuzzFeed, and I clicked through all the arrows <laughs> oh, to okay. see all the characters that you wouldn't know was, was him. Was in a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mo- movies you don't know was it's, Alan Tudyk. Was, was the Alan name of the BuzzFeed Tudyk. article. Yeah, someone really had to dig deep for that one. Right. So, um... 
let's talk about that. So what was your first? You Milo, you saw a lot of that Adventures in Odyssey. This was kind of something we shared. Yeah, this was gonna. That was gonna be my segue. <clears throat> Not segue, but that was gonna be my main point. Is that uh, Adventures in Odyssey was probably my only fiction besides books. I always read books. Right. Because. I got super competitive um, at the book fair with this thing that my school did where you would read the books and then answer questions on the books and it would yes. give you points or whatever and you could use those points to buy like, you know, slap bracelets and yo-yos and stuff. Right. And so... I remember that, by the way. Was it like Book It or something? Yeah. It was called it Book was, It. Uh, maybe. It was a big homeschool thing much. too. Yeah. Were you homeschooled at this point? I, no, not at this point. I was only homeschooled in 7th and 8th grade. So what a weird number. Eighth ninth grade. Yeah. yeah. Justin, just they right get... when you should be blossoming into a human being that can survive in a high school setting. They threw you That's right when they in... threw me right to my own Otis's jaws <laughs> at my house. <laughs> uh, Which, by the way, real brief, because you made us watch <laughs> Milo and Otis, and Milo and Otis is a riot. Yeah. Because I'm... I'm 95% sure they just took animals and threw them into stories and tried to make... And then some English guy dubbed over it. And he's like, oh, my, my <laughs> lady, by a car, again. <laughs> and I'm like, you're just making this up as you go. I could watch Milo Notice Otis tonight. Yeah. Okay. So it's No, I still, it's so I, I still think it's it's not great because they, you killed, know animals they killed lots of animals. Yeah. No, it's it's almost a fact. Really? Like there's a number, 30-some cats that I've oh been making in Milo just because, like, that one scene where he, like, gets thrown off the cliff, and it's like, he fell off the cliff, but he starts off, like, four or five feet above the cliff, so you know some poor underpaid cameraman had to chuck a cat off a cliff. <laughs> and it was made in Japan. He's so, like, know, I'm, in show business. I'm in showbiz. I'm in showbiz. I made it. I made it, baby. I made it, Mom. All right, so, okay, so Milo notice going back to Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. Adventures in Odyssey, which I still love. I like it, too. Yeah, I think they got a little too like trying to please the audience at the end of it which yeah is they, started going to they started getting like super christian <laughs> in the beginning they would be like you know do this because it's the right thing to do yeah i guess that this, should be, end, this should be should be said like, is like that, that it was a specifically a christian yes um, it, was a, it was a christian it's a christian radio show yeah and it was it was very through. it was very uh accessible for people who didn't share in that faith yeah and then they started yeah they they because it wasn't very heavy-handed yeah no not at all it became heavy-handed towards the end right but it always had a very awesome storyline i thank it for my love for history because it did those um it did some episodes where the imagination station would go back in time and like show you the first african americans that fought in the civil war on the union side and really did stuff like that that was actually like very impactful for a kid um, and oh, I used I, to have it. Do you remember they sold them? And it's so funny too because I, this was before the time that I, this was before the time of my life where I knew that Chick Fil A was like, um, like run by people who had like a serious proclivity to like a certain religion. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is the Adventures of Nazi tapes. That's where it used to come from. I had cassette tapes of it, and I'd listen to. Yeah, it. they would give like one episode away or whatever. Yeah, it's really cool. Anyways. But I used to get those, I still, somewhere they exist, but they were like the packs of six, and then each tape would have one episode on one side and another episode on the other side. Right. But the characters developed, like, it was intense. It's interesting. They did it for Mr. a Whitaker. long time. Mr. Whitaker was amazing, was like a, a role model. Um, and then at the same time, I didn't have TV growing up either, so I did a lot of video games, which yeah. is why I like video games. Which is interesting that you were allowed to have video games, not TV. Yeah, it is, but I was... 
Like, I mean, no one really hated on Mario. Yeah, what did Mario do to attack your traditional family values? Yeah, exactly. Um, besides being, you know, Italian, and that's... <laughs> it's a crime or something. Yeah. They, were in the, they were on the Axis party. But, um, so, it was it was hard for them until video games started progressing into, like, GoldenEye with N64, and that was a no-no and stuff like okay. that. When it started to get inherently violent, that's when I started. they started to get a little stricter on what I could and could not play. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even do things like Pokemon, because... Yeah, I remember that. It was just whatever, like, you know... Whatever was told, circulating. Someone told them was wrong. Yeah, I know. Pers- like, you know... Yeah, I know how that goes. In the community, they get a little uppity about certain things at certain times, sure. and then everyone... And it's so funny, because, like, they'll, like, lean off of it, like, four, like, two years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, you can have the Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, absolutely. No, they're that's what's like, wild. Oh, well, that's, that was silly. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, right, Potter. but it wasn't silly for me when I wanted to write When I you. missed that entire part of my life. Yeah, but I, when I wanted When I was to... hiding a bent Poke Pikachu huh. card under my bed. Oh, huh, that's months, interesting. When I had when, I, when all I wanted was a Dragonair <laughs> stuffed animal. That's when it wasn't okay. That's when you had an issue with it. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. That was the. Uh, it's it's it's. Yeah, it can it can be it can be rough. By the way, briefly, and, and you talked about um, uh, Goldeneye. I just saw today and like in, like a tweet talking about it's like the nineteenth anniversary. Which is like kind of not really anything, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Perfect Dark. Oh yeah. Which is interesting because do you remember Dark Seth? We had to tell our parents that Perfect Dark was a paintball game. Oh yeah. Because we switched the <laughs> we switched it to paintball mode, That's and we're like, oh, what's this? Is a paintball dude. game with something? Yeah. And like, what is M for? I was like, mostly A one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rip. Most of the aim was no. We, I think we actually though we didn't say that. We actually did is like market it. Do you remember that? You remember the aim was still coming through with the black yeah. printer marker. Yeah. <laughs> like mom knew that what a rating for a video so game was, smart. anyways. Yeah. Anyway, so okay, I digress. So Adventures in Odyssey books. Let's Adventures talk about that. Odyssey books. Do you remember um, the first book you read that was like whoa? The first book I read that was whoa. Like what was your favorite book? When I was younger. Sure. Your first favorite um, book. I've always liked Phantom Tollbooth. Was probably like good one. one of my first favorite books. But actually, it's probably on the less well-known side, meaning nobody's ever heard of it because it was in the back of a thrift store somewhere. It was uh, Nathan T. Riggins, and it was about this kid that went out to the West during the gold rush, and he just like had adventures. Oh, good for Nathan. And it no, it's a, it's a great, it's still a great book. Probably I still I can't find it anywhere. Uh, Island of the Blue Dolphin was yeah never my heard of jam island of the blue dolphins about a little native american girl that gets left on an island when her family flees from the settlers okay and she just survives on this island with like a dog that she domesticated that was a wolf and she like builds a house and it's about her like just trying to survive sure I don't know. There's, I mean, it's still, it's still renowned. It's got one of those little gold plaques on the front of it. That means it's good. Uh, and um, and then I did wait, a lot wait, wait. of Wally McDoodle. I don't know. If you, you, everything you said sounds like you could be completely pulling one over. Wally McDoodle. You're like, oh, I love Mr. McPherson's uh, tragic. Okay, first toll, of all, tollway, and I'm like, I don't know. You're making yourself look dumb right now because everyone listening you're, has heard of Island of the Blue Dolphin. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I guarantee you, you're right. But yeah. I'm like, what's interesting is, especially being homeschooled, you have such a specific like uh, curriculum to like stick to. And so when I was young, because like, what age were you when you were doing these things? I mean, Island of the Blue Dolphin's like ten. 11, ten years 12. old. There you go. Yeah. So you know what I was doing at that age? All my stuff was like, I was big on uh, the. 
this is going to sound so funny because I was like, uh, so Dr. Seuss was like really, I was love Dr. Seuss. And yeah. then I started, and obviously World of Wild Things are a lot of these classics. And then it started being like the books that were laying around were like the Babysitter's Club. And I was like, I'm not super about this. And so it was I like, did, so I did a Babysitter's Club arc. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. And so I'm like, for it's me, for a little while, there, I was like, I'm not s- certain about books. Boxcar Children. Yeah, I remember those ones. And so the, but, no, this is, but so Island of the Blue Dolphin, I'm not kidding you. I don't think I've ever heard of that till now. I'll give it to you. I read it like a year ago. It still holds up. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this, though. So uh, do you remember the first book that, um, the first favorite book you had in terms of, like, it made a serious impact on you, like, had, uh, maybe, like, adolescent high school era? Yeah, the first time I became, like... An avid reader. <laughs> that affected me. Sure. On a, just not just a, in a level of fun and fantasy was The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells. Yeah, it's not That up. was the first time I was like, that, that like, made me different. Yeah. Because I read that. Okay. You know, I would have been different had I not read that and continued my life. Sure. That was probably the first, not that it's even my favorite, but... How old were you? I was probably, like, 18. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, that book? Do you remember your first one like that, Seth? The, the first book that you read that you were like, wow. No. No, I don't. Really? Because you've got some now. Like, you were a big Dracula guy. Yeah, yeah, I love Dracula. You loved your Dracula. Mm-hmm. Dracula's yeah, a good one. I didn't finish it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it was Lord of the Flies. That's, That's a good one. one where I was like, and it's, it's interesting, too, because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, our our sinful nature exists within our flesh, not our society. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you got exactly out of that, that... Um... <laughs> He wanted you to. Yeah. Or but, well, yeah. This is, so you had this, like, high school kid who was, like, <laughs> on a crusade <laughs> for some greater force because based off of, like, so it was, it was interesting. Okay, yeah. so that was books. I remember because we've had a lot of, uh, well, some of our big outings have been... Um, two bookstores. Two bookstores. And specifically, I'll never forget, Josh brought us to this. There's, like, a Goodwill's Goodwill. There's, like, the dark... It's, um, the it's like the dying it's like the, the the purgatory of goodwill before everything just goes to the fire yeah no right before no genuinely you're serious I'm right before serious. they throw everything away from goodwill they put it in the last ditch effort where everything's priced extremely low it's like 10 but cents it, a book it's uh it's 25 a paperback and 50 a hardcover there you go and 20 cents for vinyls yeah, which is wild because you got some of the most, and you got some of the most beautiful. And this is what's wild to me is I guess what they were putting on the shelf is they wanted to put like you know Chuck Klosterman film like books or yeah, something they, on the yeah, shelf. Yeah, That's yeah. what they want to Nicholas put out there. Sparks and Nicholas Sparks, whereas you've so. got um, which by the way, <laughs> two completely different authors. But so like you have those sorts of things out on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But what they'd be throwing out is like hardcover books, like beautiful like, I leather got, bound. I got a first edition Adolf Huxley like science texts and scripts that he wrote yeah that's crazy like 180 bucks that's what i'm saying you've got like some i've seen some of the books you've got there some of the books i've got there yeah these beautiful leather bound i think that that's where i got this beautiful um hardcover watership down it's awesome because you go in there and it's a bunch of people like first of all it's it's like you're in escape from new york oh it's terrifying (laughs) there's no lights there's There's no no lights people are covered in shawls yeah (laughs) sackcloth and ashes everywhere no it's bad and they're but they're just like grabbing because they're they they want to sell it yes everyone that's grabbing so they're grabbing like cookbooks and like Mm -hmm. you know oh let me i got a ripped up harry potter i can probably pawn that out for a few bucks (laughs) right you know so if you just dig through there and you're just digging through bins which i always loved that it's really fun but it moved now further south so it's too far away 
That's a sad story. And also, it's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> there's crowds of people that will wait, and there's like this uh, this door in the back that has plastic hanging down from it, <laughs> yeah. so that you can't really see through what they got back there. And they'll wait, talking in like hushed tones and like they're huddled. Yeah. And then like a guy, like a timid Spanish man, will walk out of the back pushing a cart, and they'll just rush this guy. And then it's like and he'll be like, line up, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like, he's like, wait, wait. Which is funny too, because like just, alliances will form. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Like they'd like, be like, listen. You like grab, they'd approach us. You grab every, you grab every blue shoe that you see, every single one. Every <laughs> and blue I, shoe, and I will grab every red shoe that I see. Yeah, and I'm like, so, okay. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not looking for shoes, buddy. And he's like, sir, sir, I just, <laughs> he's like, get away from me. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm looking for. Our and this is also our childhood, by the way. Yeah, swap shop and like, like the, like they'd have like the garage sales at like the the churches, and like mom would be like, you get down low, I'll, I'll get up above. Go for the eyes. Go for the eyes. Yeah. Do you remember there would be yeah. some that they'd be like, there would literally, I'm gonna literally be like, yeah, like start piles, like holding us back, like. How are there this many people who are wild that do yard sales? Hungry, dude. They're hungry. It's so funny. I'm, I'm throwing a yard sale uh, this Saturday. So please yeah. come down, everybody. And, 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 and what's funny is, no, but what's funny is I have, I say this, I have my mom's, like, words ringing in my head because she'd be like, the shoes are going to go. <laughs> like, you can put the shoes for whatever price you want. They're going to want those shoes. And she's, here's the thing. She's right. right yeah. But no, it's wild, that whole, like, community. And I think that that's probably where, Seth, we have, like, our, like, connection to uh, the, like, Tatooine. Because, like, yeah. we basically grew up in Tatooine. Beyond the fact that we live in Florida, mm-hmm. we also were out there at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. And to this day, I'm 31 years old. When I drive by a yard sale, Whenever, whenever I'm up, like, early enough on a Saturday to, give a, to, like, see one, I judge it immediately based by, like, the pile of, like... Like, if I see a pile of, like, really... Like, a really colorful plastic pile, and I assume it's a bunch of action figures, I'm like, gotta stop there. I'm 31 years old. I don't even care about whatever action figures are in there now. Yeah. But that's still how I judge whether or not a yard is worth know. going to. I just need to know. I just need to know. And that's what's funny is when you're saying, like, that I don't do... That way we have it. That's yeah. why we have it. So, anyways, let's... So, let's move uh, on to sad movies, give me a really brief... Just trying to be happy for a little Give me bit. a really brief, like, like take us into the... Flow of movies? Yeah. Well, you guys are the only reason I watched any movies, in the beginning, at least. I mean, that was my first introduction yeah, to Yeah, I guess real, that's implied by the, like... Real film. Yeah, iRobot. Yeah, that's definitely... What's your favorite now? iRobot. No Country for Old Men. Okay, good. Still. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. That's very it nice. probably won't be dethroned for. A I don't think mine. I don't think it'll be dethroned. That's that's my favorite. That's there's my a, favorite. And a, favorite film's like a hard thing to say because like a yeah. million. But there is that yeah. is the one that I'm like I think it says the most with the least, and it's the, probably the style that like draws me. Like me and John Allen were just talking about this with like uh, we were talking about um, Flannery O'Connor and like all that sort of like there's that same sort of like uh, morality is kind of like woven throughout it, but yet it's like exemplified by the lack of it. So I hear you. That's that's whole, always will hold a special place in my heart. And so, uh, I guess we'll shock put into this then. It's just throw it in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it in the fire. The first time you saw, because we saw it because you wanted to do this episode, so that's our yeah. whole connection with yeah. uh, uh, how we were introduced to this film. What brought you there? Was it RDJ? RDJ? Yeah, um, yeah it was after I've, I had seen and fallen in love with the Iron Man movies. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a tendency for me when I'm in a sad or upset place to just watch whatever movie like I see. So I was probably just scrolling through Netflix. And you're like, and oh, I like, like oh, Robert Downey Jr. I was like, yeah, there's RDJ when he's young. Let's see. I've never seen a movie where he's young. Let's turn it on. 
very briefly, yeah. I'm going to give you chances are to borrow see. sometime soon so that you can have like you can cleanse yourself of this. It's a yeah, delightful I just little need film. A little bath. Okay, so you yeah, so you 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 clicked it. Yeah, this so was about two years it. ago. This was about two years ago. Yeah, and? it was two years ago. What's the next hour? It doesn't matter when it was. Um, you asked so you when you came, you asked me to do one of the episodes. You asked me to pick the movie that most impacted me. Yeah, something like that. Something that you would yeah. want to talk about. Yeah. So this isn't remotely my favorite movie it probably wouldn't even hit top 20 right you know but this movie definitely was one of the first not one of the first movies that impacted me but one of the the most one that actually genuinely changed like punch you in the gut yeah it made me and the, the the most important thing about changing as a human being is realizing that you need to change right and this movie was like you need to change. Like, it just, like, spoke that into my face. And I was like, ugh. Oh, and I was just crying and whatever. Really? Yeah. Were you alone? Well, I cried now when I watched it today. <laughs> I started choking I up a little bit at the very so end, sad. which we'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah, the... Uh, it, it I makes was alone, think... yes. I was by myself. <laughs> there's a great... There's a great... Almost always, yes. there's a... <laughs> You know, I woke up today and the first song stuck in my head was, like, Alone Again, Naturally. Yeah. And so that was funny. Uh, but, no, I, the... Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a line that Will McAvoy, which is... Jeff Daniels' character in the newsroom. You've seen this, right? Um, I've seen probably what you're going to discuss, but not yeah, you all need to, the newsroom. You need to get on yeah. that. Um, he uh, and I would suggest that to anybody, um, especially in like our you know volatile climate of this person versus that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so the he the, he says the the when they ask him why is America the greatest country in the world, he says yeah yeah, yeah. he's like the first step to fixing any problem is admitting there is one. We're not the greatest country in the world anymore, yeah. and I think that it's the. I think that that's it's a good starting off point. So let's let's talk about. Um, I guess where it starts. I mean, so walk me through this a little bit because this is going to be one again that if you haven't seen this film, um, this one's a weird one for me because I'm like I don't know that I would even suggest it. It's strange. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest it. I I think that because it subjectively could... not a great movie. I think no. it's trying to be an art film, and I think it missed its it, base a lot. It did miss its mark. I think now in the current state of you know the opioid epidemic and like i think this could be a good movie for people to watch just to understand what it like what it's like sure you know because it's it's as hard as it is to be the person who is watching somebody go through that and who is being you know taken advantage of from that person and from their their selfishness and their desire for drugs it's so so difficult to be that person because right. that is on drugs because their brain is not what your brain is their brain is wired for this intense intense insurmountable desire to have drugs right so i think this movie is an important period piece now even though it was made very long ago 1987 yeah 20 years ago um 31 years ago it's my birth year oh my god yeah <laughs> just sit with that for a little bit yeah 31 years ago it was made um i think it speaks really true right now to see to, to see the effects that it has on a person and to see the effects that it has on the people around that person and right. to how can you help this person? You really can't. Well, and this is what's difficult and I want to get, and, and I'm going to say this and it'll be left in if not, but I don't know if you want to, I want I want to be very respectful about where we're going here mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to step on any toes or anything. So I'm going to speak very vaguely, but I'm going to get like a little raw because <clears throat> it's like you haven't dealt with this. Personally? Yes. No. But you have been close to people who have yes yeah. and so you felt clay's role yeah i definitely felt 
Clay's role, and this this helped me a little bit with that as well, but I was kind of helped before that with that instance because I went to a few Al-Anon meetings, which is like AA for people that are dealing with the people that are in AA. Right. And so it was kind of just very helpful to see the perspective of like this person doing bad things isn't a bad person like they right. don't they don't want to be this either right they well just, and that's why i say that you know. that's why i wanted to bring it up is because of specifically the fact that that you have had very and i have too you know i've yeah. had i've had but i think you've been to you've had closer relationships than even i have to people who have dealt with this sort of thing yeah and i think that that knowing someone and being as close to someone who's been through this as, as you you have been um i think i i wanted to point that out specifically because when you say when you're explaining that they think differently and this is where they're coming from mm-hmm. and this is the pain that they're going through, you're speaking that from a very um, subjective place. You know, you've been, yeah, through, yeah, you've, yeah. you've been clay. Like I said, you've watched <laughs> someone go through it. And it's funny because I'm like, well, it's not funny. It's awful. Um, because I hear, uh, I've heard people talk about that. I forget who I was listening to. I think it was someone, I think actually someone told me they were in a meeting and one of these, like uh, the ones that you were just talking about and, and, somebody in it said like it's so hard because literally when i'm on this like i will step over my like parents dying bodies to get yeah oh yeah it's the most it becomes the most important thing to you which is you can't think you can't even imagine what that would feel like to be that person to think like you know i would bankrupt somebody else right to to, to get drugs right now right that's crazy It, it puts it makes you puts you in a place where you're incredibly incredibly selfish right but don't want to be or mean to be. Yeah, and I guess that that's one of the things if the film does anything well because the film is it's 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 very dark. Yeah. And it's it's rather explicit. Yeah. Like not just in its in the drug aspect. It's it's like in a lot of ways. I see how this was like a I think that this was like some sort of like uh like I said it was, it was like an art film or something released yeah. around that time. It's from a novel. Yeah, I heard that. It was it was it a biography, do you know? The guy says that it wasn't an autobiography. Okay. That's his statement on it, but he must have known something because yeah, it was gets... a de- it's definitely it's definitely very true to a lot of what goes on, which is good. But I think we should lay the ground rules real quick, or like the the what happened in the beginning of the movie, or sure. just like because nobody's seen it. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. I'm, I'm so, going to yeah. So, yeah, so if you movies... haven't gathered, it's about drug addiction. Yeah, about, it's, a, it's yeah. about a person who has drug addiction. Yeah. So the movie starts out, and there's um, three main characters. There's Robert Downey Jr., which is Julian, Julian, Clay, and then Blair. And they're all coming out of their high school graduation, and you can tell that they're really, really great friends. Clay is dating Blair, and right. RDJ is just like their third wheel that they love. He's this goofy, charming... He's like Iron Man addicted to drugs. Like he, he's, a know, fun, he's, a, he's a funny, he's a fun guy. quick-talking, yeah. you know, charming dude. And um, it goes very quickly <laughs> to cutting to the next scene, which they did very quickly, where um, Clay moved away to college and uh, Blair didn't come with him. Blair ends up being with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, which is a betrayal because she's sleeping with Clay's best friend. Right. You know, so pretty much, and then it, it cuts and you see that Robert Downey Jr. is like really deep into drug addiction and selling drugs. And, and Blair called... Um... Clay, Clay back to come, to come home, and he thought he was. She was asking him to come home for her. Yeah, but she was asking her to come home for Julian. Yeah, because Julian and Blair, as I understand it, it's like, it, it, and this is where it's hard because like it was it a betrayal? Yes, definitely yeah. by both, mostly for like not talking to him or anything. But it also seems like they were both in a bad space. Like they were 
they definitely like they definitely they were self destructive used each other yeah for, for and so something. they I think that well I think that they connected in that too I think there probably was a connection she, you can tell they care about yeah. each other and they're both doing drugs at this point right Claire and Robert Downey Jr. she's so doing he's, cocaine he's heavier into it yeah she's, she's doing, doing cocaine, cocaine. He's, he's doing, doing like crack. everything yeah 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 he's rough um, and then the movie's about Clay trying to pull him out of that. Right. Yeah, so then the movie and then becomes the, Clay, and then the romance between Clay and Blair is not important at all to me. But like, right, but yeah. I, yeah. I, you know what? I, I would actually, I do think it's important, if only because I think that she represents somebody who maybe is not far, as far down the line, who's trying to come out of it. I think it. I think yes, there's a spectrum. Yeah, she, she's definitely a middle ground. She's like the middle, and then there's like way to the left is like Julian, and then Clay is way to the right. Well, and I think that that's even an interesting like um, thing to take from the movie, just off of the relationships of them all is like how like people do this in friendships too where it's like oh i'm able to go this far so you can too yeah and then it's like some people can't and you don't know who can and who can't so then you have to like assess the situation if if you're being a good friend or a responsible friend you kind of have to assess situations like are we gonna you know is this good for either of us? You know what I mean? I like where Blair's concerned. Like she, she's able to do cocaine in the bathroom here and there. Right. And that's like about it. You know what I mean? Whereas, uh, Julian can't function without it. He gets too far into it. And what's very interesting is that his reason for starting down this path is a major failure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because that's right. Because he tries to start that record business up and it fails and he borrows more money and tries to start it up again. And then it fails again. And there's a point where Blair's talking to Claire, Clay, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, I don't think he's ever really failed before. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then so he just took that so hard. I think he's the type of personality that has got, went really easily through life in his high school years. Right. Because it was easy for him to talk to people. It was easy for him to get what he wanted and out of people. And be the cool guy. And be the, yeah, and be this cool, extroverted. cool successful extroverted person Mm -hmm. and then when it came down to actual business right and you can't just bs your way through everything and then he failed i think he just was not expecting to fail and that's why he took it so so hard yeah because then he himself became a failure and he pulled one of those things that a lot of us do where where it's like you know if i'm a failure i'm a failure i might as well fail hard right right well that's real hard and that's an and that's another aspect where it's like you know it, it would be easy for someone to um like I'm trying to think of the best way to say it but there's an aspect where people like you don't know you never know what anyone's going through like it's not on Blair that he that he's addicted to drugs yeah. now but it's right. like at the same time like maybe if you guys would have been you know if you would have looked out for him, you know, it's like, he, he's not where you're at. Well, I he's think, it, I think, yeah. a, he, you know, this is like a vice for him. Yeah. I think a huge theme in the film to me is, it, I, well, I wouldn't say a theme, but I think that uh, something, uh, something you can take from the film Yeah, is certainly the importance of accountability. Yeah. I think having people there who you, who care about Which you. Which I think that you, was also cool. It's like the, Blair and uh, Clay were good friends. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is I think that the importance of accountability and having that, I think it's, I think it's huge. Yeah, that's that's another thing that was super important is that he continually throughout the show failed his friends. Like mm-hmm. even when he stole, you know, later he steals Clay's mom's jewelry to yeah. pay his debt. So he yes. ends up owing the bad guy in this this Ultron. movie Ultron um, <laughs> a lot of money, fifty thousand yeah. dollars, because of his drug addiction, and he gets really deep in trying to pay it off. 
and Ultron starts prostituting Iron Man out. That's <laughs> what happens. Ultron, it's 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 awful. Ultron legitimately. No, it's awful. It's really bad. It's it's. He does. Yeah. He I does. Mean, he we don't need to go into does. graphic detail, but he yeah. starts he starts making him do uh, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in order to pay him back, it's really messed up. That guy's evil. Oh yeah, that guy's so messed up. What's it's his like, name? Like, like Robert Downey Jr. was saying to him at the end of the movie, he's like, "Come on, please, we're friends. Like we've been friends for ten years." Yeah, that guy was like, like, "Please, the don't worst. make me do this." And the guy was like, "Just, it's okay. Just smoke a little crack." He's the worst. His whole tagline was like, which I think is, by the way, a, a brief note to touch on is this: these, these, honestly, like these predators, and he's he's an abuser. He he abuses yeah. people. He it's uses people, people for his, yeah. It's so down. messed up and it's so evil, and he's the worst. And even the way he talks about himself, which is interesting too, because it, did you get the impression that they went to like a private school of some sort? Yeah, because they had ties on. That's right, because they had money. That's what that's what I'm saying. So I'm oh, like, and they all had money. That's Everybody what I'm saying. In that show had money. So it leads me to believe that they went to some private school, which is a whole interesting thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because I've known, I've known people who went to Catholic schools. I've known people who went to you know all sorts of different denominations. You know, mm-hmm. schools. I've known people who went to completely secular private schools. But when you see some of like the messed up, it's it's really wild when you see like a really a person who's like a really in a very destructive place and they have money and they have yeah, monetary yeah, yeah, means yeah. to and I think you, I've seen like I'm, I'm, I've never seen somebody to this level but I see how it could happen is this guy who literally, literally his whole thing is like who do you think you're talking to he's like three times he's yeah. got like a god complex he's yeah. the worst I hate him he's very entitled to what he's doing to Robert Downey Jr.'s character but yeah so he does he he has he works for him quote unquote he works for him yeah trying to trying to pay off this debt and he steals some of Clay's mom's jewelry. He um, tries to get the money out of Clay. Then he acts really selfish and manipulative, and like he's mad at Clay when Clay won't immediately give him the money. Right. He tries to get the money out of his uncle, who won't give him the money. And it's just like these people keep being there for him. Right. Even though, you know. Even though he keeps messing up, he keeps actively screwing them over. Right. And Clay keeps being like, "We got to get him out of here." Right. And Clay even goes to Ultron and is like, leave him alone, I'll pay you the money. Give and he's time. the worst to him. Yeah. He's like, who do you think you're talking to again? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what, do you even, what do you actually do? Is he a pimp? What does he actually do? No, he just he you gives, know, he must, he gives he must, people what they want. Yeah, he must be a dealer. Care. He must be a dealer. That's what I'm thinking right now. He must yeah. be a person who, yeah, yeah he, he sleazeballs him his he way to... Him. Okay, so... I was thinking what was funny about the... Uh, do you remember the poem on the wall when they like when Claire and uh, Clay come back? Blair and Claire, Clay come back. I can't do it. You've been saying Clay Blaise. Blair. You saying, he keeps saying Claire and Blaze. When Claire and Blaze come back to uh, their apartment and it's trashed and there's oh, that yeah. poem on the wall. It's is that awful. a poem? Which no, but that's what's so funny about it because it rhymes. But it's like so bad. No, it's really. I don't know if you want me to say. No, that. I would rather you not. It's okay. something dirty it's about. It's so dirty. But it's like such a bad poem, and you know that thug was like, "Man, I just nailed that couplet. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing." Yeah, that's gonna really mess. With Someone me. wrote with spray paint, like they they detailed some of his. Uh, they said that Tony Stark was good at doing certain things to other men. Yeah, that's what they said. But it yeah. rhymed. But it rhymed. Oh, so. And they said he was good at doing stuff to other men. And is dead. Yeah. So now they can fill in the gaps because it rhymes. That's awful. Figure it out. These people are the worst. Wow, I didn't think about that. That's another thing. Yeah, but I know he was like, ha, ha, ha. Got him! (laughs) (laughs) 
yes. 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 So back to it. Robert Downey Jr. is slowly killing himself. So he's so he keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper in because he's paying it off, and the way the guy wants him to pay it off is very demoralizing and yes. degrading. So he keeps doing more drugs, so he doesn't have to think about what yeah. he's doing to pay this guy off, which gets him deeper in debt, and then eventually um, he breaks down in front of <laughs> Clay and Blair's apartment. Right. And they, like, bring him in, and he withdraws. Yes. So there's kind of, like, a montage scene of him going through withdrawals. Withdrawals. Um, and that was actually what was super impactful, because that's what it looks like. Like, it's a lot. You've been just, there through yeah, that? Yeah. It's a lot of just, oh like, gosh. sweating. The person's angry. The person's puking. The per- it, it, it's, like, it's like the person's dying, but just won't die. Yeah. And you're, like... You don't know what to do for them. Yeah. So, like, they stick by his side throughout the, all his withdrawals, and they get him um, They get him feeling better about himself, and he stands up, and he's like, I'm... He looks at um, Blair, and he's like, this is... I'm not going to do this anymore. You know? I'm going to get clean. I'm going to stay clean. Yeah. And um, he goes to see his dad afterwards. His dad's playing tennis in the tennis court. Doesn't really matter. Um, at this point, the bad guy is looking for him, trying to get him to pay his, pay his debt. Right. And he goes to his dad in the tennis court and he's, he's, he's like, Hey dad, the dad's like, why are the dad's very upset to see him? Because, um, previously Robert Downey Jr. had tried to sleep at his dad's house and the dad had to kick him out and his brother and him got into a fight. And he was like, you can't, you can live your life the way you want to live it, but you can't do it here. Yeah. Basically. And, um, he starts talking to his dad in the tennis court and, um, he's like, I'm trying to get better. And his dad's like, for the hundred, hundredth time I've, I have to hear this. And Robert Downey was like, oh, for the hundred and first time or whatever, he's still like trying to be witty and jokey. Mm-hmm. And, um, the dad's like, I can't, I can't do it. He's like, we, I sent you to rehab, you pissed away rehab you didn't you know you didn't follow through he's like i can't do it anymore i just don't i don't believe you and then his and then robert downey jr says something like um i'm your son dad can't you tell when i'm when i'm lying yeah or when i'm telling the truth and his dad says no i can't and that was the part for me when it like opened me up to 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 whatever we'll get to that but um so when he says that but then what happens which is very beautiful which i had almost forgotten about but he starts, Robert Downey Jr. says, okay, I guess that's the way it is. And he starts to walk away. And his dad like, can you stay clean? And Robert Downey Jr. is like, yeah, dad, this is the one. Or I can try. And his dad's like, if you can give me one week of being clean. Yeah. I'll give you the money. And then they hug. And right. it's like really beautiful. And then Robert Downey Jr. goes back to Ultron. And um, it's like, I, I want to get out. I'm going to get you your money. My dad's going to give you your money in a week. And, and he's like, just do just do one more thing for me tonight. Just do one more thing. Robert Danger's like, no, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And then the like, big thug bully guy comes out with a crack pipe and is like, you're going to smoke this crack pipe. Yeah. And so he ends up smoking the crack pipe, which is like funny because that's the one little decision that he was from away from redemption and from, you know, not redemption. And so he does He does the drugs again, and then he goes up to prostitute himself again, and that's when Clay and Blair find him, and they have yank a fight. Him out of there. They have a fight, they yank him out of there, and they start driving down the highway with uh, 
Julian to get him to safety, you know, to get him out of where he's been at, and then and then the movie ends and Robert Downey Jr.'s passed away in the morning on the, the front of the car. He leans over. This is like really yeah, he sad. Lean, he leans, he over, leans over, over and Clay, Clay, I think, is like, thinks like, oh, I got you, bud. Yeah. So like he kind of like, like pats, his, pats head, his head. And then he's like, oh my gosh. Like, doesn't move and he's like, oh. And yeah, really which that messed me sign. up. Yeah, it was super sad because like it's, it's funny because I, I took, I took the moral, the story to be it's never too late to change. And it was a little too late for him just because he died you know right. sometimes but yeah it's funny because i just like you never know what what action's gonna have consequences to it right like he sm- how many how many times did he smoke crack in the movie and well, not die and, and that's smoked it one more time that's yeah. one of the things that really yeah that's one of the things that i was really getting from this is that even though i believe that he was going to make the ch- right choice in the end your actions still have consequences so it's like if you yeah. cannot do the bad thing if you cannot do the thing that's hurting you, that's hurting somebody else, that's that's the first step to making sure you're okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's, I mean, it's really rough. It's a rough movie to to, to watch, and it's just, I think it's especially rough to watch, uh, given you know we've talked about this before. I think we talked about this in the the last Mar- the Marvel episodes we did, but our families always loved Robert Downey Jr. and so they've been uh, really impacted by everything he's been through, and mm-hmm. it's like it really really kind of did like a number on them I feel like you know what I mean I remember my mom she used to talk about this all the time she I remember and I actually watched I think I watched like a 2020 interview or something with Robert Downey Jr. where he said he was talking he was like right when he got out of it this is before Iron Man this is uh this is right right when he started to get clean and he was like it's like I have or might have been even a little bit before while he was still doing it he says like it's like I have a taste I have a gun in my mouth and I like the taste of the metal mm-hmm. and that always broke my heart <laughs> and it broke yeah. my family's heart and so um, watching him in, in, in this role was, I think, particularly, uh, difficult. Yeah, because this, this movie actually made his, his, uh, drug addiction worse. Did it really? Yeah. I was wondering if that's why it's so hard to find, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it might be a reason he, he was talking about an interview I watched about how he, uh, he, before that he was, before that he was still like doing drugs, but he wouldn't come into work on drugs oh or whatever so he started just doing drugs while they were shooting it because they wouldn't know like, the difference he was like whatever i'm acting jeez and but he was he was saying he was like that movie was also really good for me because it was like the ghost of christmas future you know i was like this is wow that's beautiful this is what's gonna happen and that's kind of how it affected me in a way less extreme way because so, i wasn't doing drugs but it was like yeah so let's talk about is... that why did you why did you bring this here because you said it impacted yeah. you didn't you ready to go here yeah sure yeah, right. All right, let's talk. So um, the thing that impacted me the most about it was was recognizing recognizing when to pull up when you fail. Yeah. Because that's hard, very hard for me as a person. So recognizing the place you can go if you let yourself go there by shutting off, which is what he did. Um, being yeah, I think that there's a there's this contrast between your image and being honest and authentic. Yeah. yeah. And I think that it's easy for that to get. Jumbled, especially when you're in yeah. a bad place. Okay. Yeah, because when you fail, you're like you're like people are gonna see that I'm a failure now. Yeah. You know. Who will love me? Yeah. Who's gonna love me? Right. Um, that was another thing that impacted me is is how much he kept being selfish. I know for him it was for the drugs, but for me it was for whatever reasons. Um, the drugs. <laughs> but and you yeah. should I, just to clarify here really yeah. briefly, so people aren't like totally like you just had a rough go. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just had a, I just had a, I had a, a long 
few years where I was not worried about what was going on inside. And you might have been being self-destructive, but it was not nearly... It wasn't drugs. It was no, just, it, it, was was, just, it wasn't compared yeah. to what he was doing at all, but it was... Just so people aren't like, what's going on with yeah, Josh? It's just, it was more of like okay? an... I guess, I guess it's more of like a... You're on autopilot, kind of me. Yeah, but but so was he. Yeah. I just wasn't addicted to drugs. Right, I hear you. You know, so, you were, was, so you were living a destructive lifestyle. Yes. You, would, you would say, because when that's what happens when you don't think like about what comes after a decision that you make. Right. Your decision is a coin flip of what's going to happen to it. Right. And then you make that decision worse when you don't own it, which right. is what he didn't do. Right. So like. You're, fl- you're A, you're flipping a coin, so the odds are even bad because you're making a choice without thinking about it. And then you're not telling anybody that you flipped a coin. Sure. So the next time you flip a coin, no one's told you that you probably shouldn't flip the fucking coin. <laughs> That's okay. That's staying in there. The next time that it's you authentic, flip the- baby. The next time that you flip a coin, no one's telling you not to flip the coin because you haven't told anybody what you're doing. And that's what he was doing. He's like, I just need the money. Yes. He wasn't like, they're making me do these things. Right. Like, please help me. Right. Or like, this is what's happening because of the decisions I'm making. He was like, even when he's in the park with Clay, he's like, I'm getting real frustrated about all these questions. Yes. Like, he was almost feeling attacked because someone yes. was trying to care about him. And so that for me was a slap in the face. But the thing, like like we said, with the, with the dad was the most impactful for me because you don't realize that like you think a lie is something you either get away with or you don't get away with, but right. you just never do get away with it. Right. Because eventually people aren't going to believe you even if you're telling the truth, and that's so frustrating when you're trying to be like, I'm being honest, like I'm yeah. being honest right now. Right. And everyone's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So the fact that like when you when you lie enough, when you cheat enough, when you you know when you're not authentic, eventually nobody believes that you're going to be authentic. And then you can't be authentic, or at least it's very difficult to break out of that cycle because you have to, you know, give it time to where they can trust you again. So when he was like, "I'm your son," don't you, don't you know when I'm lying? And his dad was like, "No, I don't." He's like, "Yeah, no trust is the first thing you broke or you destroyed." Yeah, us. yeah, he said, which is really hard because I'm like, trust is the, it's it's so hard to gain and it's so easy to break. To lose, yeah. yeah, it's like the clay between yeah. the bricks. Yeah, it's very tricky. Yeah, so that was that was the most thing for me is like I realized that I always knew I was kind of sometimes my decisions would hurt other people. I always knew that was possible. Sure. But I hadn't thought about I always thought it was just like, "Oh, I made a mistake and now this person's hurt." But it wasn't I never thought about the fact that I was ruining myself by and not credibility. thinking about any sure. of that. Or my credibility, but even my own authenticity to be like, to think about when I'm lying. Because if you just don't think about it, then you're I was going to ask you that. Do you think that it's easy? Do you think the first person you're lying to is yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when you do that enough, it becomes so easy to lie to other people. Sure. And, but the moral of that story for me is realizing how difficult it would be to change. But realizing that the realization that it needed to be changed yeah, made that so easy. Because the next time I thought about lying, I was like, huh, I just shouldn't. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, and you just do that enough. And then the, the it at first it's like, I really want to lie. I really want to lie. Okay, I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I know where this goes. Right. I won't. 
And then eventually you're like, I want to lie, but I'm not going to. And then eventually you're like, I'll just I'll tell the truth. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that's just, what are they going to do? Right. You know, that's, and that's the thing about when you, when, when you don't trust anybody to react well to what you need to say, Mm -hmm. you're going to lie to them. Sure. And then they're not going to trust you. And it's just a, I think that's the spiral he got himself in. And, and I do think, you know, be it naive or me just being positive, I do think given the opportunity, he would have gotten out of it if he hadn't died at the end, you know? Yeah. He was just so determined in that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that it's especially hard with, you know, um, someone who's being manipulated by the substance, you know what I mean? Like any substance, even like whether it be alcohol or uh, physical desire or, I mean, there's a lot of different, like that's something I will say. I'm like, on one hand, um, I think a lot of people can relate to not doing crack. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? Um, but it's like, you know, what are you addicted to? And I think that there's a lot of things to be addicted to that, yeah. like, are not equally as destructive, but are uh, equally um, unproductive. Sure. Which may be the same thing if you're 50 and don't have anything to live for. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Well, and that's kind of the thing, because we talked about this, me and Josh had a good few talks before we did this, because I didn't want this to, um, and you've, uh, you have complete, uh, control as far as I'm concerned about what ends up in this podcast or not, because that's what's hard, that's why I want to keep kind of bringing up, trying to solidify some of, like, what you're talking about, because A, I don't want people to think that you're, like, a drug addict and you need help in that way, Mm -hmm. um, but furthermore, I told Josh multiple times when we were getting into this, I'm like, I don't want this to be like a dunk on Josh fest, but you yeah. said it really well. You were like, it's going to be a dunk on Josh at a very specific point in his life. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day for you, what you were talking about is just this day in and day out, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this day, day in and day out, um, on, I guess like, mindlessness maybe? Yeah. Like not, mm-hmm. not like being completely, not being mindful. Yeah. of your actions and what you're doing to hurt yourself and what you're doing to hurt people around you. Yeah. And, and you know, it's this, there's a philosopher, and I'm going to totally butcher his name. It's like, I think it's Lao Tzu. But he says this, uh, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become habit. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there is an element where it's, because you talked about that, where it's like, first it happens to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think it's important, an important lesson to learn, um, I guess, it, that your actions have consequences and that, and that your character is something worth keeping. Yeah. And so uh, there's somewhere I want to kind of go. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie specifically? Um, no. I think, I mean, I think I covered, what I want to say about that is like, I think it's important to own who you were like before you started your change sure and i'm not perfect now i still make my mistakes sure. but i'm definitely not doing it on autopilot anymore right when i make a mistake it's a mistake no, yes. it's not like who i am anymore. it's another chain yeah. it's not another chain and yeah exactly you know, yeah so this is something i really love about this we talked about robert downey jr and how this role impacted him and we've talked a lot about how iron man was like made for him i should say briefly by the way too we keep referring to to James Spader's villain character is Ultron. 
I almost want to call him Robert California one or two times too. But that's James Spader as the villain. Um, but as it pertains to to I almost said Tony Stark, but just uh, Robert Downey Jr. What's interesting to me, I was I, I was elated when I found out that he was going to be. Tony Stark, because it's like a perfect fit, mm-hmm. first of all. Second of all, especially having read the comics and knowing about his alcohol addiction, Tony Stark's, it was really cool to me to have, for Iron Man to have something that was, I think, so transformative. And so, because we talk about this all the time, right? It's like, I relate with this character. Can you imagine, like, I'm going to play that character and what yeah. that role would have for you? Yeah. Like, even Chris Evans, he talks all the time about how he's like, I feel like I've changed because I've played Captain America. Like, I've gotten in the, the mind of that person and I think I'm a better person for it. I think Tony, I think uh, Robert Downey Jr., it mirrors so well his... Uh, the path that he's been on and his struggles but also his his strengths and I think that now he's like I mean he's such a beautiful spirit and beautiful energy yeah and can you imagine like it breaks my heart especially when you think about people like Philip Seymour Hoffman or even Chris Farley yeah it's like you think about where they stopped and if that would have happened to him it wouldn't have been so heartbreaking but now he's like the like the portrait of life he's so enjoyable and and I say this because that's you I'm Thank being you. honest with you. No, but, I appreciate it. Um, we were in here today. Josh was playing Super Smash Bros. We used to live together. And Josh is the loudest little boy. I'm so loud. He's been like this since he was like in high school. And I was in here and I was in the front room. And it was so funny because all at once I was like, that's so loud. And it hurts my ears. And I remember I was brought right back to like 10 <laughs> years ago of living with you and being like, Josh, you got to stop. You have yeah. Your feet are dirty and you're loud. Those are the two constants. But that same energy that like I was Stay like, oh my strong. gosh, this drives me crazy. Was the it's, it's the it's 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 your gift, mm-hmm. and one of the things that always the first one of the first gifts I noticed in Josh Newcomb, and this is like literally the first night we hung out because we played Manhunt. Yeah, I is I was like Josh Newcomb's like listen, come on guys, it's a good time. I'm gonna be the best, but you can be the best too, and you bring that energy brings you up, but it brings other people up as well. Yeah, and I mean it when I say. The house is uh, in our group is a it's a it's a brighter place with you in it. Thank you. It means a lot. You're I'm welcome. <laughs> but cry, but but to see you have and, and because I've always seen these positive qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not crying either at all. <laughs> and I know that you might be, but I'm definitely not. Cut that out. But <laughs> but I think that I think that but I mean it. Yeah. And I know this, I don't want it to seem disingenuous because the 25 people who listen to our podcast are listening. <laughs> the 25 of them being our friends, or 24 of them being our friends. But, but the truth is, is that you, you really do bring that energy. And I think that what I think is beautiful is knowing that Robert Downey Jr. could have done this movie and been in this spot and then done Iron Man and been in that spot. Yeah. And it's really encouraging to me um, to have you. And I wanted to ask you this too. Where do you think in your journey that hit you? You're trying to better yourself. When did you watch this movie? Let's say your journey is uh, starting from 1 to 10 of like going into a dark place. Oh, uh, I mean, this was... Like, was this at the start? I was you... at a dark place, but I was at a shallow, shallow dark place because I don't think until you realize you need to change that you get to go to the dark place. Right. Because that's where you're like, this was one. I mean, sure. The bad, the stuff, stuff had happened to me that made me upset, and I was confused, and I was, you know, self-deprecating and all this stuff when I watched this movie. Yes. But this was the, you know, the first ring on the ladder where it was like, you need to change. Now you get to look into your own soul. Good right. luck. You haven't been there in a while. It's dark and scary. Good luck. And do you feel like an honest person now? Yeah. And how does that feel? Good. (laughs) Great. Well, that'll do it for us. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, if you you didn't know by now, I love you very much. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful we got to do this. And I'm thankful that 
I'm sorry it was such a bummer. No, I'm thankful thankful that you brought in. No, I'm thankful that you brought in. Again, well, I think that that's even kind of the contrast too. Like I said, you being the energy that you so viscerally bring to our friends group that I'm Mm -hmm. so very thankful for um, is, is I think that the downside to that sometimes can be looking at the dark, right? Yeah. And that's what you brought is the dark. And so I think that if, if that's not a testimony to your growth and your maturity, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, you got to force yourself to uh, to dig in the emotion sometimes. Well, and your big takeaway, what you get from this is, you're never you're never you're never too far gone. You're never too far gone. Yeah. And and this goes especially out if for some reason you know somebody who's and this is this is going to be very PSA real quick. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go PBS for a second. But if you know somebody who's who's going through this, I hope that you'll. You'll encourage them to listen to something like this or um, let them know that, encourage them that they haven't gone too far. And I don't know, Josh, like that's one thing I would actually kind of like to leave off. You being as close to these people, is there advice that you would give that you feel like is to anybody, to, to two things, to anybody who's addicted to a drug and to anybody who's dealing with that person? Um, anybody that's addicted to drugs, it's just um, be honest about it. Tell people that love you that you're addicted to drugs because it's the hardest thing is sometimes you get into this mindset where you don't want anybody to know because you don't want people to judge you. Um, find someone that you think's not going to judge you and tell them and then get into rehab because as much as it, you know, is cliche, it, it can work and it doesn't work a lot. You need, you need a very strong willpower and you need something, you need loving people around you and you need something to strive for on top of rehab, but it's a really good start to get yourself detoxed because that's the one of the hardest parts is getting chemically it out of your body now if you're the person dealing with somebody that's on drugs that's really hard i don't know how to do that well um like clay says in the movie though he's like we'll we'll fix this no matter what just love on them yeah you just gotta you just gotta keep going if you love them keep being there for them um that's literally don't let them use you obviously well i don't don't let them use you but they're going to, and you're still going to have to love them. Yeah. Like, and then it's just, that's, that's the fight that you kind of got to deal with because they're going to have to come to the realization like everybody of what you need to do by yourself, what you can only do when you've realized that you need to do something. So for me, it, it all came down to you guys, the people that love me were around me, but the only, when I started to change, you guys weren't there and that was my own choice, but it's like, you got to do it by yourself. I think you got to realize that you need it. Yeah. So that's my advice. Just keep going. Well, I guess that's going to do it, do it for us. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>